Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 114. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are honored to have as our guest Colby's own Mary Rolls. Mary is currently Colby Academy's executive director, but has served the school in more ways than can be listed. We get to hear from her about Colby's past, its present, and how God has been constantly at work in Colby Academy through the years. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen, how's it going? Going well, Bonnie. I'm taking advantage of being a remote worker this week, so I'm up in Wisconsin with my mother and a couple of my kids, working from my father's old office. So, you know, one of the great things of, of for me of working for Colby is I can be wherever. Fantastic! That has been a great benefit. I know a lot of people appreciate that capability, and uh, and I'm one of them. So that's. That's neat, though, they're getting to do that this summer and get to see your family and still tend to things like this. We're glad you're still able to visit with us today. <laughs> right, right. We have a very special guest today, one whose influence on the Colby family is a continual source of inspiration toward growth in virtues like generosity, humility, and decisiveness, and whose long service to Colby Academy is a story worth hearing. She's talking to us today from Colby HQ, as my sister Hope calls it, in Napa, California. Mrs. Mary Rolls, Colby Academy's Executive Director. Hello and welcome to the Colby Cast. Thank you for having me, Bonnie and Stephen. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're delighted to have you here. It's really a treat to have you on the Colby Cast and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit since you aren't often in the spotlight. <laughs> I try to stay out of it as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> This also gives me uh, something to brag with my wife and daughter who are always, when they get a chance to meet with you, come out and tell me, oh, I just got to meet with Mary. And uh, <laughs> so we have kind of a competition here, but this will give me <laughs> some time with you. Okay, so we're accomplishing a lot today. Good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I was really struck by your appearance at Colby's graduation this past May. You were there remotely from jury duty. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I loved that you explained that that's why you were absent from the in-person festivities. That's a prime example of how you serve Colby and also live out the citizenship that we are trying to cultivate, among other things, in our children and have talked about on a previous episode. I'll link that in our notes. It's always been my dream to serve on jury duty. So um, you had a lengthy one, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I really I did enjoy my time, which I think most <laughs> people would think is really weird. But um, <laughs> I was always a law and order fanatic. And I love that it was all that legal stuff. So yeah, I found it fascinating and um, it was my pleasure to do it. I felt bad for missing graduation though, but um, I enjoyed doing jury duty. <laughs> good, good. And that's, it's interesting process. I, I was summoned for jury duty right at the outset of our second year of homeschooling. I think it was our second year, maybe our third, but you know, still very early on in our homeschooling experience. <laughs> it was like the second week of school and I'm like, Okay, I'll see you later. I'm going to jury duty, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all managed, and yeah, it was a, it's an interesting experience. So I'm glad it, it is an interesting experience. Everybody should do it once, I think, at least. Yes, we have all these ideas in our mind of what it will be like, and then that's not necessarily the case once you get right. there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
I certainly know if I was on trial, it'd be our Colby families that I would want on that jury there <laughs> right. who are going to consider things. And, <laughs> yes, yeah. right. Definitely, definitely. Well, you know, and I, I got dismissed from jury duty one other time. And I thought, they're making the biggest mistake ever. They just don't know that I always have to see both sides of every story. When you're the mother of <laughs> 10 children, you just, you know, you naturally just are always having to see the situation from many different sides. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're lost. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So aside from your Law & Order um, fandom, would you tell us a bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Uh, well. Um, I was born in Southern California, and when I was 14 years old, my parents moved up to Napa. My dad got transferred for work. Um, So I'm a California girl through and through. Um, My husband was in the Navy for six years, so we lived all over the country. We lived in uh, uh, Idaho, uh, Illinois, Florida, Connecticut, Washington State, so pretty much, you know, in every sector of the country. And all I could think about was getting back to California. (laughs) (laughs) I love the sunshine and I I love our weather and I know it's our politics aren't that great and our prices aren't that great, but I love it here. There's still a lot to love. There's still a lot to love and be grateful for. I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to live here and that I can still be here. So good, good. Well, I know my sister Hope, who is a Colby alumna class of 2011. Yes. She, uh, she keeps telling me, okay, we have to go. And so hopefully one of these days, because she's gotten to go a few times and I have not. She so has. I remember days. meeting Hope mm-hmm. when she came out here, I think for her graduation. Yep. Because we did do graduation here in Napa for a few years. But then when people found out how much it cost to get here and how much it cost to stay here, they stopped wanting to come to Napa. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember meeting Hope <laughs> and your parents too. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. people. Oh, thank you. They would say the same about you. They've had, they're grateful for everything Colby has done for our family. I vividly yes. remember your mom. She's so much, she's such a joy to be around. She is. Thank you. We're big fans. Yep. <laughs> well, Colby is, as listeners may or may not know, a family business and apostolate. Would you take us back in time to the beginning of Colby Academy and your family's involvement from the get-go and how you came to be involved? Oh, sure. So like I said, uh, my parents moved up to Napa when I was 14 years old, which was in 1977. And we had always been Catholic school kids. Um, we went to the parochial school. My my older siblings went to the Catholic high school. I'm one of 10. I didn't mention that. I'm, I'm right. I'm the middle, number okay. five. Okay. Um, and when we got up to Napa, they just weren't very happy with uh, the Catholic schools up here. There wasn't much to choose from. It's a small community. We went from, you know, big Southern California, Orange County to Napa, which was at the time probably about, oh, 45,000 or so. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, there wasn't a good selection to choose from. Yeah. And they really felt like they weren't teaching the Catholic faith authentically as they should be. So they put us in public school, which was a a huge eye opener and shocker for me. I I was, I think I probably spent, we moved up here in the middle of my ninth grade year. And I think I spent all the rest of high school just probably with my jaw to the ground. I just, (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) Um, So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite, it was quite a shock. Um, and I was, I was very shy, very reserved. So it was not easy for me. 
and then um, they had had my younger siblings in in public school as well and they just weren't happy with um, the way one of my younger brothers was progressing he was in maybe third grade and he, he just he couldn't read very well and they just kept passing him along and all of the teachers would always just say oh Eric's such a nice boy he's such a joy to have in the classroom but my mom would say, but he can't read. You're not teaching him. Oh, he'll, you know. So they got together with two other families that they had met, I think, probably through the pro-life movement in, in Napa, in town, who also weren't happy, and they decided to start a school. So I graduated in June of 1980, and they opened Colby Academy as a day school in uh, on September 8th, 1980, with just the founders' kids as uh, students. It was my youngest three siblings, and there was eight students total. Uh, so four students from another family and one from the third family. Uh, and they they hired a teacher. So they, they started the school in a, a little Victorian house in downtown Napa across from the library with, with eight students, like I said. And then the homeschool just kind of naturally uh, worked its way out of that. It just was a natural progression, you know, as they, they grew and they, people started hearing about this little venture in Napa, people all over the Bay Area were coming to them and saying, well, how can we get what you have? We want to teach our kids this curriculum. We want, we want this, but we, we can't, we can't commute to Napa. That's too far. And one of the founders, Fran Crotty, he would, he would just help them. He would just say, well, here's the books we use, you know, this is how much you should do in a week. And, you know, you can come and, and they'd come and check in every once in a while. And, and we just naturally started helping people. At first, it wasn't, they weren't charging for it or anything. And then probably around um, 1989, I think that's what I have handwritten records of. We, we actually had an official roster of maybe 10 families that we were helping and charging them just a little bit for the help that we were giving them. I think... I kind of think the enrollment fee was something like $25 or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and just kept going from there. So the homeschool was just this natural progression. It had been going on. And then um, probably right around 1989, 90, uh, the day school was looking for something to, to supplement the day school, because, you know, no private school can ever charge the amount of tuition it costs to educate your child. So yeah. there's, you always have to do fundraising and um, constant fundraising is very difficult. So we were looking for this other source of income that, that would be more consistent and more constant. So Fran, Fran had this idea, well, why don't we take the homeschool public? Why don't we start advertising? Why don't we start really making it this legitimate business to help supplement the day school and we went for it we decided yep that's what we should do and hired employees and and started just moving forward and at first most of the founders children were just volunteers (laughs) you know let's help this get off the ground and uh and and actually if we you had your students in the day school you um you had to do volunteer hours and everybody did their volunteer hours to help support the homeschool. Okay. 
And that's how I got actually got started was just doing my volunteer hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I think families coming from parochial school are familiar with that yes. expectation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that expectation is true for me too. Yeah. And you're, so you're telling us about your mom. That's Mrs. Diane Muth, who was yes. who was on episode 100 a few episodes back. We'll post a link to that. It was a joy to hear her. Uh, recount her memories when she was telling them to Stephen and Jordan. So we'll link that in our show notes to as a companion to this, and and as well as a, an episode with your sister Nancy, who is um, the bookstore lady, as people refer to her, with great um, <laughs> affection and appreciation. So this is truly a, a family business. I think I, I think people might not realize quite how many are of the family are involved in making this what it is and serving the larger Colby family. It was, it was much more heavily family. I, uh, yeah. Just a very few short years ago. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to have uh, new blood. <laughs> it doesn't seem that even if, if you're not family, if you just stick around long enough, it kind of is like you're, you are, you become family from what I've seen so far too. That's very true too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes maybe by marriage or sometimes, sometimes by marriage. By... Yes. Yes. That happens. <laughs> I think that's neat. I love hearing those stories. Yep. So we heard why Napa in the first place. And as Stephen was mentioning, he's working remotely as am I. Why is Colby still based there? Probably mostly because of, um, the logistics of our building. We, mm-hmm. um, Like I mentioned, in in 1980, we started in a little Victorian in downtown Napa. And then just a couple years later, a very generous benefactor offered to buy an old church just a a couple miles away. Hmm. Uh, It was a Nazarene church. So he helped the the founders buy this church to move the school to because at that time they had grown in enrollment and were looking to expand even further. And he... He helped them purchase the building, and for a while we paid rent. And then when Cliff passed away, I want to say in like 1999, he left the building to the school in his will. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, in California, real estate is very, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> very expensive. So we own. Our, our building and and the land it's on and uh so it makes it so that we don't have to pay rent anywhere which really reduces our overhead mm-hmm. um we have our warehouse in the the building it had a great big open space where you know they held services and that's become our warehouse mm-hmm. um and then we have some office space as well you know during the the pandemic our our office space got cut down and then uh to quite a few quite very few people being coming into the office yeah and and then a couple of people moved away during the pandemic and we allowed them to work continue to work from home and when we we really opened back up we stayed open the whole time um because we're school we could do that so even though most businesses in california closed down we were able to continue doing business um we we're down to probably about five people coming into the office ever and um with the growth from the pandemic we're back up to a a bustling office again so yeah so that's why still napa napa is home to us and uh and we we're we're just so blessed and fortunate to own our building which 
you know, most businesses are not that fortunate and um, paying rent can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and before the pandemic, it, you just had a few exceptions. I mean, some teachers, teachers working remotely, but just a few office people that weren't there. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. We really felt like we had to have people in the office. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, uh, well, I guess we're getting back to there and discovering the challenges with working remotely and how it's, you miss that you know, going to get a cup of coffee with everybody else. But you know, yeah. before the pandemic, it seemed hard to imagine everybody being kind of scattered around. It, it's definitely been challenging. I mean, we we talk about that a lot that, you know, how do we still stay connected? How do we, um, how do we get to know each other and, and um, work as a team? It's really hard to work as a team if you don't know each other. And yeah. So that that's definitely been one of the challenges of going to a, an almost totally remote uh, team. But I, I think we're doing we're making strides in in overcoming those obstacles. Going well, I think. <laughs> yeah. The hospitality you show in that way is is really it's wonderful. So yeah, I would love to hear you reminisce a bit on colby's response to the rise in demand for materials and services and in all things colby as a result of the pandemic you mentioned you're speaking to it just now so i'd love to hear you take us back through that time from your perspective sure um it was challenging no doubt i Uh, I was just spent the morning with with nancy and we were Mm -hmm. talking about that summer and how it was um it was the the busiest summer we had ever seen on the books by far and how ill prepared we were for it um you know we by the time we were in the the middle of it it was like what do we do now we can't bring people on and train them up to help us out we just had to plow through and um you know people had asked me you know well why didn't why don't you just close enrollment and i just couldn't do that my heart just felt for these people who didn't know what they were going to do. Um, a couple of those people were my own children who enrolled their students in, in our homeschool for the first time. They, they were sending them to our day school, uh, which still exists, but uh, they didn't feel comfortable in the middle of the pandemic doing that. And schools weren't opening up here in California, especially. Yeah. So, um, you know, my heart just felt for these people who were so lost and didn't know what to do. And um, I felt it was our opportunity to get this wonderful Catholic classical education in front of people. And I, I felt like God was was giving us an opportunity and to turn people away seemed to be saying no to what God was calling us to do, in my mind. Um, sure. And I was, you know, just, I was so impressed with how, how people on our staff pulled together. Um, Everybody was doing anything they could. And, and even we put out a call for some help and we had some parents step in and volunteer to help us out and answer phone calls and teachers that, that would get on the phones and answer phone calls for us. It, It really it was heartwarming to see how how people pulled together to help us out and um, and how wonderful people were um, who had every right to be frustrated with not getting materials in time and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
how most of the time people were very uh, gracious and humble. Yeah, good. Rising to the occasion, yeah. Yeah, they, they really did rise to the occasion. And, and we had, prior to the pandemic, actually, we had already been talking about opening an online K through five program. Um, but we were talking about doing it for the following school year. And when we, probably in about April, we, we thought maybe we need to step this up. It looks like at that point, it looked like schools might not be opening up in the fall. So we really, um, we pulled together. We brought Nicole O'Connor on. She was a, an English teacher for us. And we brought her on to run the elementary program. And she and Megan Langle just really threw their all into it and got it all worked out and put together this beautiful program. Um, like I mentioned, that two of my granddaughters were were the first students of, and hmm. they loved it so much that even that um, even though the school opened back up, they they stuck it with us and and homeschooling because they just they love how we do things and um, they love the curriculum. It's always nearly impossible for me to imagine such a good program just kind of coming together in a matter of months. It's incredible. It was really, it was really incredible. I, I still don't even know how we pulled that off, but, um, you know, they got teachers hired and, um, in, in just a couple of months, um, it, well, and, and if you think about it, teachers were out of jobs. So. Yep. <laughs> and, and I, and I think that, um, because we'd already been doing online education for, at that point, seven, eight years, we had an advantage over other schools that were just trying to figure it out. Right. We already knew what we were doing and we knew what technology to employ. And so we had, we had a leg up on some people in, in, in some sense. And, mm-hmm. and I think um, a lot of our teachers who came to us and had taught just the end of that school year online for their public school or their Catholic school, I think that they they also saw that what a difference it was in the way that we do things compared to how schools tried to do it at the end there. I'm sure there are a fair number of listeners who have joined the, the Colby family in the year or so since then and don't know any of this backstory that that everything that has gone into it. So, and I'm glad you were getting to tell the story today. It's neat to see how it's come together and how it was, how the groundwork was laid all along the way. So you were able to respond. All right. Well, looking at the Mary Rolls resume, it looks like you've worked or held pretty much every position there is to have here at Colby. I have. <laughs> do, you I have, have. do you have any favorites? <laughs> well, well, like I mentioned, I started as a volunteer, really. Um, just doing whatever I could, whatever they needed help with. Um, do I have any favorites? That's so hard to say. I loved, (laughs) I've loved everything I've done. Um, I loved being an advisor. I loved talking to families and helping them, um, you know, pick their curriculum and, and help support them. Even after I stopped being an advisor, and I moved into the, the role as executive director, every once in a while the phones would be so busy and I'd pick up the phone and and sure enough, it would be that that mom who's at her wit's end and doesn't know what to do and is really struggling and, um, 
and it was so rewarding to, to be able to help her and talk her down off that ledge or um, give her that advice that really would make a difference in her day. I, I loved that part. I'm the one who used to do all of our print catalogs. I loved, I love that. I love graphic design. Mm -hmm. So I'm self-taught at graphic design. I, and I loved that part. Um, every once in a while, they'll throw me a project. I'm like, oh yes, I get to do graphic design again. We've hired our <laughs> first graphic designer and now I hardly get to do anything, but I do love that part. Um, I loved working in the bookstore. I, you know, handling all the books and seeing them all. And I love the physical activity of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I have a favorite. I'm really bad about favorites. My grandchildren will ask me what my favorite color is. I'm like, I don't know. Um, so <laughs> I can't figure That's out what my favorite me. color is. I don't know that I can figure out my favorite position. <laughs> I think that says so much about your your openness to serving where you're needed. I think that's I think that's neat. That <laughs> Thank you. You just uh, have that disposition to just be present where you're needed and do do well where at the moment, like in the present. I think that's wonderful. I was that was going to be my guess if you picked one, Mary, that you were going to say was the yeah. perfect design. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, though, even at that, um, I love the variety, and I do like Bonnie said, I do love being able to jump in wherever I'm needed. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I will still go in and pull books off of a shelf and, and pull book orders and ship them if that's what, that's what's needed to be done. So I, I, I just love being able to help in and pitch in and do whatever needs to be done. And I think that I find that probably the most rewarding part of my job is when I'm able to help anybody out with whatever they need that that ends up being the case where it's often like mary i, I don't think you're the person i'm supposed to ask about this but <laughs> i know you know the answer to it so i will just go ahead and ask you anyway <laughs> what a resource yes we've talked a little bit about colby's past let's talk a bit about colby at present and, and your role as the big boss as jordan says at colby would you tell us a bit about this these days yeah, it's been an interesting ride. I I, um, I call myself a reluctant boss. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've I've been in the role three times now as executive director, okay. and um, the first time I accepted the position, uh, the director of the homeschool, um, Eileen Kabansky, was decided that she needed to step down. Uh, she's the founder of NAPSIS, which is the National Association of Private Independent Catholic Schools. It's an accrediting body, for those who don't know. Okay. And she she was working for Colby at the time, and she founded NAPSIS. She was working with Fran Crotty, and they were getting that up off the ground, and she decided that she really needed, if she wanted to see it grow and become what she wanted it to become. She she needed to step down from her role as director of the homeschool. And um, she decided that when I was eight months pregnant with number 10. And oh, <laughs> I was um, I was an advisor, mostly working like in the evenings uh, when my husband was home. So they asked me if I would step on as director. And um, I said, yes, I would do that thinking that Eileen would be leaving like in April or so, and I was doing January. And my youngest was born on January 17th, and Eileen left on 
uh, February 1st. So I took over on February 1st as director and brought my my baby into the office for the first close to year of her life. She spent in the office with me. Um, So that was the first time I became the executive director. And then about a year later, actually, my, my brother Brian was living in Texas with his family and my mom had, was principal at the day school and uh, she was getting up in age and Brian decided he was going to come move back to Napa and he wanted to take on the role of principal and in order to pay him what he needed for his family we decided that he would be both principal and director of the homeschool so I stepped down from that role and went back to being an advisor and then um in 2008, our day school merged with uh, another small independent school here in Napa, Trinity Prep, and became Colby Academy and Trinity Prep. And Brian left to be the principal over there. So um, with all of my kids in school over there, I took back over as executive director of the homeschool again. And uh, and then I, I, I stepped down again in um 2016-17 uh when Brian left being principal and um I I gladly handed over the reins to him again um Mm -hmm. it was that my husband had just been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer so I felt like God was you know giving me the opportunity to step back and and be with my husband more um as we went down that path and um and then a year later, Brian uh, decided that he and his family needed to move back to Texas to be closer to his wife's family. And so I, I took back over again. And I, you know, I just, I see God pushing me back in every time I try to step away. And, and I, you know, looking back, I see why that is. My, my husband passed away in 2019. So, um, you know, I, I think God didn't let me step all the way out just so that I would have something to do after he was gone and, and I could, yeah. and I, I would need yeah. something. So, um, every time I've tried to just like take a step back and go, you know, I don't want to be this God just pushes me back in and says, no, no, this is where I want you. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you have much that was still needed. Yes. Yep. I love that doing when you feel that call to do and, but, being able to step away and then step back in is is to me kind of a remarkable thing at least always have that temptation to kind of make things more about me than than about the job that needs to be done so it's you know that's that's yeah somewhat remarkable that you can kind of move in and but then call back to do it and it's unique i think thank you my my dad was very much that way my dad would just step in and do whatever he need, whatever needed to be done. He, um, he was a remarkable example in, in that way that he, um, he passed away from cancer in 2012. And up until a month before he passed away, you could find him over at the day school doing yard work. He just, you know, mm-hmm. whatever needed to be done, my dad would do. Those legacies are so uh, precious. Yeah, they are. So you've mentioned some family members already who who work alongside you at Colby. 
there are others though. There are quite that was just a few of many. So <laughs> would you tell us about some of the other family members <laughs> serving Colby either now or in the past? Oh sure. Um, well, right now, uh, let me see. So you've, we we've talked about Nancy, and uh, she's my sister, and uh, my mom still comes in to the office almost every day. Uh, does a little bit. <laughs> um, Love it. If you've gotten a diploma, my mom has probably prepared that diploma for you to be sent out. Um, she still takes care of all of the incoming nails, sorting it where it goes. Um, we've done away with filing. She used to do all our filing, but she uh, we've done away with filing. We're all digital now, so she doesn't have that to do anymore. Um, <laughs> and then there's Chris, who is our chief operations officer. He's my oldest son, the oldest of my 10 children. Um, then... My second youngest daughter, Beth, is our production specialist, I guess it's her title. So she, she prints all of our, our the Colby publications. Um, she makes your ID cards. And then my daughter-in-law, Angelica, is one of our customer service representatives. And um, two of my other daughter-in-laws, Maureen and Annie, are both teachers with us. Uh, Maureen teaches um, fourth grade math and science, and Annie is new this year. She'll be teaching uh, some life science courses to uh, middle schoolers. Okay. And then um, I have a niece and a nephew, Michelle and Curtis Friedlander. They're my uh, sister Judy's uh, children, and Judy used to be our accountant. Uh, Michelle is working in the book department, pulling books, and Curtis, he comes in and does whatever we need him to do kind of thing. <laughs> nice. Um, like that. So those are the current ones. In the past, all 10 of my children have worked their summers uh, pulling books. So okay. they all have experience pulling books or making copies of course plans. Uh, and, and my oldest granddaughter, Chris's uh, oldest child, Gianna, is continuing that tradition. She's working this summer in the bookstore. So oh, nice. Um, and in the past, I've had um, a couple of other sister-in-laws that have worked for us, um, another brother, and I think seven of my parents' 10 children have worked for the, the homeschool in the past. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, what are some things you're excited about or proud of relating to where Colby is today? Oh, there's so many, but... Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Lots to be proud of. I think what I'm, I'm like really proud of is, is the online school. I think um, it has done so much for us in, in ways that um, you could, I, looking back, I just see God's hand in it. And um, before, before we started the online school, you know, we had like 12 to 15 employees, uh, you know, maybe we'd peak at 15 during the summer. And every year around February, we were wondering how, how are we going to make payroll? Uh, we, we had a little investment account that sometimes we could borrow $20,000 from and it would help get us through. We were still supporting uh, the day school at that time. Um, we, were, we were their fundraiser. So oh, okay. uh, we had a combined payroll. But, you know, every, every uh, February or March, um, we would do without paychecks. Um, mm -hmm. Family members, myself, my sister Judy, who was our accountant at the time, and Nancy would all just forego our paychecks. And even sometimes Megan, who who was just who 
who was an employee at the time, you know, anybody who could not take a paycheck for a couple paychecks would not take a paycheck just so we could make payroll. Mm-hmm. After the first year of the online school, that has never happened again. Hmm. So uh, we would also just like, we'd get to February and go, okay, how soon can we open enrollment? When will the forms be ready? <laughs> how soon can we push enrollment open so we can start getting that money coming in? Um, and, and we just, we don't have to do that anymore. And we've gone from those 12 to 15 employees to 140 employees. And wow. I, I just, I am so grateful that what the online school has allowed us to do is hire all these great Catholics who want to share their faith and are passionate about sharing their faith and want to help parents educate their students and help form them. I mean, they're our future. We know that the future of the Catholic church rests in, in their hands. And, um, and we're seeing so many vocations come out of homeschooling and from our school too, but, but homeschooling is, is really the future in, in my mind of the Catholic church. And we get to help moms who, who have an education and background in teaching stay at home with their children and help support their family at the same time. You know, we all want to help contribute to the finances of the house, especially as inflation keeps going up and, and everything. And, and I, it makes me so happy it, it joyful. I'm just joyful that we get to help people do just that, stay at home and be with their children and yet earn a paycheck. And I mean, that's how I first started with Colby too. So um, I, I love that part. I think that's probably what I'm most proud of is that we get to put our pro-life and Catholic values to practice. And it's, it's, it's so wonderful because, you know, especially, I guess, a lot of our parents coming in from COVID, but even before then, it's it's like, yeah, you can do a lot of it, but what about that Algebra 2 course or things like that? And so just allowing somebody who wants to keep their kids at home and loves to do it, but now they've got the, the support of, of those teachers that, and again, in that great Catholic environment, and we've, on the podcast here alone, we've seen you know, the science teachers, the math teachers, just all of the teachers just on fire with their faith. And uh, so I think the graduation was my first time down in Atlanta this spring to kind of be around a big group of Colby students. And what, what an impressive, I mean, they it's like, are, these are high school they? graduates. It's like, I thought they were college graduates, the way they were behaving and how well spoken they were. And it's just, it is wonderful. To me, that's always been the biggest um, fallacy of homeschoolers is, you know, how awkward they are and how they can't talk to adults. I'm like, no, it's the other way around. It's it's (laughs) kids in brick and mortar that have a hard time being around adults. So I I really think it's the opposite. And it's the biggest fallacy that that's been spread about homeschooling is is that the children are socially awkward. We see that time and again. That is not. That is not the case. case. No. Yeah. Yep. As we've been working on this episode, uh, we've heard from folks who know you and work with you. They describe you as genuine, pious, uh, a saintly person, a saint, like a saint on earth. 
what do you think might contribute to that? Or what are there any standout decisions in your mind that you made to be that way? Like you, my first reaction to was that to that was you've got the wrong Mary. <laughs> That's Mary Quinn, our register. She is she is saintly, and anybody who's talked to her would just would probably agree with me. She's um she's wonderful, uh, but I, I agree. Like you know, I I referenced my father's example, and you know, it really is the example of wonderful parents. They were um that they, they are excellent examples of of humility and grace um my mom once told me a story when i was having a difficult time with one of my children at the day school and the principal and uh we were kind of butting heads a little bit my mom sat me down and she said you know we didn't always agree with um with things that um the other co-founders wanted for the school or uh, policies or uh you know we didn't always agree with the way things were going. And if we found ourselves in a situation where we didn't agree with something, your dad and I would always just take a step back. We'd, we'd go off, we'd think and pray about the situation. And we'd always ask ourselves two questions. And if the answer to those two questions were no, we'd let it go. And the two questions they would ask themselves were, does what they want to do affect my child or any other child's soul? Hmm. Does what they want to do affect my child or any other child's education? And, and if the answer to both of those questions were no, they would just let it go and let them have things the way that they wanted. They, just, they, they didn't oppose the situation. And I, okay. One of those, an example of that is my dad was opposed to making the homeschool a business. And my dad was a, um, he was a tax accountant, uh, corporate tax accountant. And um, like I said, he, he was just always at our day school uh, doing whatever needed to be done. And we had, we had actually, at the day school, we had opened a thrift store as a way to uh, bring in money. And it was called the Prince and the Popper. It was downtown Napa. That was so much work. It was so much work. <laughs> and after trying that for about two years, it just never really brought in the money. And it required so many volunteer hours, more hours than, than we had families to do the hours. It was, I, re I remember I was there until two o'clock in the morning, sometimes sorting the donation of clothing and yeah and then <laughs> going home and getting my kids off to school um so it was so much work and so when Fran proposed the idea of um the homeschool as a business my dad was adamantly opposed um we put it before the whole school and we said yeah let's go for it and he went okay and he really he just put him, all of himself into it to make it happen. Um, my dad was responsible for organizing our first uh, bookstore. He organized the bookstore, gave it a, a numbering system. He, he did all the accounting for it. He was always pulling books and getting orders out. Um, he just did whatever needed to be done. And 
and I knew that he didn't agree with this. And then he still just put everything he had into it. So, you know, I think my parents were just excellent examples. And um, I don't think I could have been half the person I am without them. Continuing that legacy. Well, looking to the future a bit, what's coming up for Colby that you want to tell us about? Oh, it's it's going to be an exciting year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this year we we really launched our our very first um, of hopefully many truly our own curriculum offering. We we've launched um, our third grade history. It's called Stories of a Changing World. Um, it's we've written the textbook for the students and the teachers manual, and it's got this beautiful timeline. And uh, it's it's just a beautiful looking uh, program, and it covers you know not only history of secular people, but we've got saints in there, and and it's it's told it's history through the eyes of um, through biographies of um, famous people in history throughout the ages, and it's, it's not only a beautiful program, but it's it's well written and it's educational, and we're very excited about that and. and um, hopefully we'll have, I think we should have the fourth grade book done next year. So um, oh, wow. it's like I said, it's the first of hopefully many. Right now we're working on a, a pre-K program uh, oh. that will be truly our own. It's going to be the Colby, the Colby way to preschool that will um, feed into our kindergarten program. And uh, we're hoping to have that ready to launch come January. Fantastic. We're working on a few dual enrollment opportunities for students uh, Mm. with uh, partnerships with some Catholic colleges and being able to offer more college level classes to our high school students, which will hopefully, you know, well, it will, uh, it'll give opportunities for student success and growth and, and hopefully feed into some more vocations. Like I spoke about earlier, I think seeing a lot of vocations come out of the homeschool and we want to just keep that going um this year we are entering our 10th year of offering online courses so i think we should you should look forward to some uh celebrations along the way throughout the year fun good yeah and and we're celebrating being in our building for 40 years so oh well yeah we're gonna have a um a party it's slated for September 8th, uh, a party at, at our location. And uh, we're gonna be doing some dedications to our founders. And I mentioned um, Cliff Rogers earlier who who actually bought the building and, and donated it, left it to us in his will. Um, we have our hall dedicated to him at present, but we're gonna rededicate that to him and and then uh, dedicate other rooms to our founders, Fran and Marge Crotty, who have both passed, and my dad, who has passed away, and my mom, and and do a, a blessing. So we're really excited about those things. That sounds fantastic, and a great day for it. Yeah, yes. It's a noteworthy day, the Nativity of Mary. That and, It uh, is, yes. I remember last year celebrating the Nativity of Mary with the Holy Heroes parents this year. That's great. That continues celebrating that feast day. It's a very special day for us. Um, like it was the first day of school that the, the school mm-hmm. ever opened. So um, I think the building was probably purchased for us earlier in this year, but we're going to celebrate it on September 8th. 
just a thing. One of the things that, that struck me as we were talking early last year before I joined Colby is, is one of the things that really appealed to me was it was so apparent that whatever our families needed is what you and the other people working for Colby were, were striving for. So I can fairly confidently say that all of our families should be looking for good things this year and every year, given the desire of everybody to meet all of those needs. Very true. Yes, yes. We are just, you know, we're trying to just keep up and 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 make sure that we we have what our parents need to successfully educate their students at home. That's the Colby difference there is that the families that come to Colby, they have they have no idea when they are coming in the kind of support they're gonna get. And it's it's a wonderful surprise for so many. Yeah. Well, how do you see yourself involved with Colby going forward? You know, that's hard to say. That's that's very hard to say because, <laughs> like we said earlier, I just, you know, wherever God wants me to be, I'll be. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, my mom is 88 and still comes in almost every day. Um, <laughs> I hope I have that kind of energy at her age, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so for now, I just take it day by day and see see what God where God wants sure. me to be. I hope eventually I get to, to truly step down <laughs> and hand the reins over to the younger generation. But um, for now, I'll just keep doing whatever God wants me to do. Well, when that time comes, they will be very grateful, I'm sure, for all that you have poured into it to ensure their success going forward. I do love working here, and sometimes it doesn't even feel like work. So, um, and that's that's great and i and i hope other people that work for us feel that way too and it's i do i do love what i do the tone you set really brings out the best in people and draws forth the gifts and talents that people have to offer and you and you get them in the right places to to get, do that in the way god calls them to thank you i think god has a big hand in that he just brings us people that it blows me away i mean people that come to us and want to work for us and i i had somebody reach out just last week and i was like wow you want to come to work for us wow <laughs> <laughs> during the pandemic you know somebody somebody mentioned i think it was megan's husband craig he said you guys went from mom and pop to enterprise and it was like wow yeah yeah that's yeah that's a good yeah. way to describe it well, Mary, this has been a pleasure and a privilege and a joy and a delight to visit with you, to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Please come back and talk to us again. Thank you for having me. I would love to do that. Thanks, Mary. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.